0: The advice in this podcast is general in nature and does not constitute medical advice. Always consult your doctor if you are concerned about your child's health. We recommend always following the Safe Sleep Guidelines. In the spirit of reconciliation, Dr Fallon and Dr Law acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the continuation of cultural, spiritual and educational practices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. They pay respect to their elders' past and present and recognise that sovereignty was never ceded. Welcome back to Brand New Little People. I'm your host, Dr Fallon Cook, and I'm here with my colleague, Dr Laura Conway, and this podcast is all about the ups and downs of early parenting with a particular focus on sleep and settling. And I have to apologise this week because there's going to be a lot of background noise from my children. We've all caught this horrible cold. There's kids running around, they're playing games and and all sorts of things. Um, My middle child, he's completely fine, but he actually spent last night in hospital with asthma. And my husband took him in and spent the night with him. And Laura, that really got me thinking about how we share and divide household tasks. And my husband and I are certainly not perfect at sharing Mm -hmm. every task, but, you know, I was thinking last night about how great it is when you've got kids who just know that both parents are able to to do things like taking Mm -hmm. them to hospital um we're both reliable and present and yeah we make mistakes all the time but we (laughs) kind of work as a team to constantly adjust you know who's doing what so that Mm. you know we each feel like it's a reasonably um fair um and equal um the contribution that we're making to the parenting but it it doesn't happen overnight and that's been a real work in progress over so 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 many years um what have your experiences been like laura in kind of managing all the the wildness that comes with parenting
1: um yeah look it's um as you say it's definitely a work in progress i think that every couple um at the outset when they first decide they're going to have children together have rose tinted glasses about what that is going to look (laughs) like Um, and uh, if you're um, not really vigilant you can start to fall into really gender stereotyped roles um, Mm. where um, you know particularly if one of you is off on um, parental leave and the other one is out doing the paid work um, that can set up those um roles in that first six to twelve months. Um and mm. when then the parent who was on parental leave goes back to work, it can be a bit of a shift to then um divvy up some of those household tasks that had fallen to them during the time of parental leave. Um Yes. Yeah, oh, it's so challenging. It
0: definitely one parent often becomes the kind of default Parent, and mm. I mean, that puts a lot of pressure on that parent um, to just always be on top of everything. <laughs> I yeah. think that's you know a huge challenge, and trying to almost sort of break the roles and redistribute redist- the kind mm-hmm. of household tasks and the mental load that you're carrying um, requires some really honest and open conversations yeah. from both parents.
1: Yeah, it does. When mm. I'm sure we've said it um, on this podcast before, Fallon, how. Uh, It can be really helpful for parents to think about how um, one parent might have a paid role that they go to during the day and the other parent Mm. um, doesn't have a paid role, but they have the role of um, looking after the baby or the toddler during the day. Um, And then at the end of the paid working day, both parents come back together. And then together, they need to then manage the household and the babies and toddlers whilst they're together in the house overnight. So it's not that Mm. the parent who is doing paid work can then shirk all responsibility and say, well, I've been out working all day. Because actually the other parent has also been working. They're just not getting paid for it. But doing very significant work, Mm. keeping somebody alive (laughs) Um, just raising the next generation of humans (laughs) that's all Uh, and so uh, it can um, because it is a bit of a push against what expectations have been today in our society um, I think for parents to um, make they had to really make a conscious effort to um, discuss what is going to be fair and equitable In their family um, and not Mm. just for themselves and their own well-being but because how they parent and act together um, is modeling what is expected for the next generation for their children Um, Mm. and I love how in the situation that um, you found yourself in yesterday um, your partner uh, took your middle child to hospital and I'm sure that your middle child and your other two wouldn't even have battered an eyelid at that it Mm. would just be oh yeah well mum and dad have made that decision and so and and it's not any big deal and um your partner wouldn't have been getting any extra accolades for like wow well things must be really serious if dad's the one who's doing this it's just well Mm. that's just the way um things work in this family that you are a a team um, of parents
0: yeah, and I wonder, I haven't asked him because he's sleeping, which is fair enough. He's been up all night long. Um, but I do wonder how many, you know, we've all seen it, like the um, the people, you know, when they notice dad's parenting, you <laughs> go, oh, aren't you such a great dad? Look at you here in the hospital being a parent. <laughs> you know, like they get such a fuss made over them. Yes. Um, you know, we don't get that as mums a lot of the time um but yeah yeah things are slightly changing i think what um you know really uh, what i've seen actually a lot lately in clinic are examples where within the family there's a couple who one of them has a very legitimate reason for not being able to do their sort of half of the parenting overnight um and then navigating that can be really challenging Mm -hmm. um Particularly, I mean, look, if it was something, you know, like a a parent who has a physical disability, like, you know, if they have an amputated arm, well, yeah, padding a baby to sleep in a cot, pretty hard to do. We might let them off the hook on that one. (laughs) But when there are invisible disabilities, so Mm -hmm. things like it could be mental health difficulties. Some parents are on, um, you know, really heavy medications that sedate mm-hmm. them, so they just can't possibly be up at night doing the settling. I mean, there's a whole host of very legitimate reasons why you might not be able to contribute to that nighttime time um, settling. And what I was talking about with these families was what they can do instead. Mm-hmm. And what I always say is you don't need to think about splitting each individual task 50-50, mm-hmm. so you each take 50% responsibility for it. Um, it's just that overall with that mental load and the physical load, all Mm -hmm. the things that need to be done in a household, that should feel fair. So... If, for example, you're a parent who has to do all the nighttime settling because you have a partner who has a legitimate reason for not being able to contribute to the nighttime settling, then what else can they do to make up that 50%? Mm-hmm. So, will they be sterilizing all the parts in the breast pump, um, sterilizing the bottles, doing all the laundry, doing all the nappy changes? Like, what, how mm-hmm. are you going to divvy that up? Because you don't want one parent to feel like they're just constantly having to carry most of the load. Mm-hmm. That's where resentment starts. Yeah. Um, and once that kind of wiggles its way in, it's really challenging. Not yeah. impossible, but challenging to overcome yeah. that level of resentment.
1: And a lot of the families that we see in clinic and the families who are buying Sombel are first-time parents or they're just at the very – if they're not first-time parents, they might be um, have some uh, slightly older children. But they're often at the very start of this journey. Oh god, I hate that word. <laughs> um, they're right at the start of this where they are working out what's going to work best for them. Um, and so it's a really good time to be having these discussions. Um, and mm. uh, if you are in a scenario like um, Fallon just described where um, you know that um you would like to bring some changes about with your baby or toddler's sleep. Um, but your partner is not going to be able to be involved overnight, then um, I'd be sitting down with your partner, going through the options um, that are presented in Sombel for how you might be able to make the changes to your um, little one's sleep and have an honest discussion about what's going to be the most appropriate and feasible approach for you to do. Um, It might be that you decide that you, since it's all going to fall to you, that you need to do something really quick. um, And you might choose one of the approaches where we see major changes within a few days. Alternatively, you might say, I know that I could only ever do a really quick approach if I had hands-on support from my partner Um, and Mm. because that's not going to be possible because for whatever reason they're not going to be able to be involved then that means that you're going to take a much more gradual approach. And so then between you and your partner, you understand that the approach that you're going to take may, um, it may not be for something like four to six weeks before you see the major improvements that you're aiming for. Um, And if that is the case, you agree on it together that you're going to go with a really gradual approach, but it is going to take quite a long time. And that will mean that you may be um, a bit tired for um, some time um, Mm. and that, your partner then when they are around um they do need to step up and do those additional tasks like tidy the kitchen wipe down the benches drop the older kids at school whatever it is um so that it just feels really fair um and that both you and your partner and your children are getting all the support that you need yeah, and
0: I'm a big believer in like making a list. Actually, really nut it out, write it down. Sit down with your partner, have a bit of a date night where you sit down. And what I always suggest is put the things on on your side of the list, your tasks. Put in things that you actually really enjoy doing because there's always some household tasks and we don't mind. Like, um, what are your my husband? <laughs> quite- what do <are> you like? <laughs> I'm not sure I've got many. I I like to tidy. Okay. <laughs> I like, I like everything to just be in its place. My husband is hopeless at that. He doesn't really seem to know where anything lives. It's amazing. <laughs> He's lived here for a long time. Same still time with you. know, But that's okay because I don't do the dishes. I almost never do the dishes. He mm-hmm. does the dishwasher, the dishes, and I don't even think about it ever. Mm-hmm. So it's that's what I mean. Like think about, you know, I hate taking the bins out. So that's a task I want my husband to do because he finds that fine. So yep. it's think about what you don't mind doing and then you'll be left with the jobs that you both hate Yes, <laughs> and that's when you're going to take a deep breath and start negotiating. And maybe those jobs that you both hate are things that you do week on, week off, you know? Yes. It's, it probably sounds to some people like we're getting way too um, into the tiny details here, but... It's about protecting your relationship and making sure that you stay happy with each other and don't bring in that resentment. So Mm. if it takes making a list and sticking it on the fridge and having a bit of a schedule of who does what, well, so be it. It's going to make Mm. parenting easier
1: Yeah, Um, and that's worthwhile. And if you Mm. are in a situation where both partners can be involved in the um, uh, settling of um, your baby, then also think about how you'll be able to – share that and some parents will decide that they will um, do the whole thing together Um, so every single wake overnight both parents are involved with that Um, other parents will um, decide that they'll take it in turns overnight Um, and other parents will split the night into shifts so one parent will do up until midnight for example and the other parent takes over. I really quite like that as the as an option because I feel that that option um, allows both parents to get a long stretch of sleep that they need. Um, but really um, it's up to each individual family to decide what's going to be best for them. Um, and the sooner that your um, baby or toddler sees that both parents do the settling in exactly the same way the sooner they will learn to adjust um, and are more likely to settle for both parents rather than having that strong preference for one over the other, which we do often see, don't we, Fallon?
0: (laughs) So often, yeah, babies and toddlers really like to pick and choose who their favourite is and don't be offended by it because it might be you for a few weeks and then suddenly it's the other parent. Yeah. (laughs) they can change very quickly. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, sharing that load is really important. Um, Laura, I want to just jump in quickly and tell our listeners that we've got this really, really exciting thing happening where we are now the new sleep experts for a really awesome organisation called Parents You've Got This um, and two lovely people, Freya and Christy, run Parents You've Got This. You've probably heard of it. They're all over social media Mm -hmm. doing wonderful things. Um, you, You might remember them from... They're amazing online parents groups that they ran during the COVID lockdowns. Yes. They just were such an incredible help to parents. And basically with Parents You've Got This, they gather experts on all these different topics to do with early parenting. And they run these fantastic free webinars for parents across the year. And there's some paid masterclasses and things you can do as well. But a lot of it is available to all parents at no cost. So we know a lot of our listeners love getting high-quality evidence-based advice, and that's probably Mm. why you're listening in. Um, Go and give them a follow because Mm -hmm. there are some really, you know, you'll, you'll get across a whole bunch of different experts who you can really, really trust. Um, and, yeah, follow us on social media too because that's where we'll be letting you know um, when those masterclasses and webinars are. Mm-hmm. Laura you've, you're going to be doing some webinars for the Multiple Birth Association yep, next year. Yes, that's right.
1: I'll be doing um, some in February um, and um, probably some later on in the year as well. I've done a few... Um, for them this um, past year Um, and Fallon you're going to be um, doing the ones for Raising Children's Network again. Yeah Yeah. I'm really
0: excited I think this is the third year in a row I've done the Raising Children's Network um, webinars for baby sleep and toddler sleep as well and they're always really well attended with some fantastic questions Mm. asked so yeah again we'll let everyone know on our social media channels when they're coming up they're free as well so um, yeah, pop them in your calendar when yeah. you see them.
1: We love doing these things, don't we, Fallon? Because the whole point mm. of um, Infant Sleep Australia and now SOMBEL is to um, be able to get evidence-based um, information and advice about sleep and settling out to families who need it. Um, so yeah. we love it when um, uh, we're invited to nationwide on nationwide platforms to... Um, distribute that information and um, speak to even more families than um, we otherwise would. So we love doing it. It's just the best, isn't it? It's Mm. so good when there's just
0: so much conflicting information online, which we were talking about earlier on. Um, (laughs) You know, we still just keep seeing it popping up and I just think there's so much confusion out there for parents. So, um, so nice to be able to just go where the expertise is and the parents you've got this um, group are doing such a great job of pulling all these great experts together yeah
1: um yeah excellent all right so we move on to some of our questions Fallon yeah, there's some yeah. great questions that came through this week. Do you want to start, right. Laura? Yeah, I'll start off. So Rach um, sent an email which starts with some really lovely feedback on Sombell. Um So thank you, Rach. We love um, reading um, how families have enjoyed Sombell. So Rach says, firstly, like many before me, I wanted to say thank you so much for Sombell and the podcast. I purchased the program when my daughter was four months old after she had been sleeping for long stretches and then did the classic thing of suddenly having strong preferences. Being a physio and having a science background, it was so reassuring to have such an amazing program with evidence-based strategies, but also human compassion and common sense built in. The podcast too has been such a perfect complement to the program and has helped reassure me as we have gone along and continued the trial and error of parenting isn't that lovely oh, Fallon? it is
0: well done Rach. Yeah. and thank you so much for that feedback it it just means the world to us there's not a, we would never see an email like this and be like oh yeah whatever like we we always go oh look at this one how yeah. lovely is it yeah. it really really makes our day <laughs> so thank
1: you <laughs> so rachel onto your question so Rach says my question is around the sleep diary I have been tracking her daily rhythm on and off since I started your program and it's been useful. Something I have always wondered though is when you are completing it, do you wake them up or let them sleep as long as they want? For example, I'm pretty sure that my baby only needs two naps of up to an hour each and then 11 to 11 and a half hours overnight. But a lot of the time we wake her up from her naps and we wake her up in the morning. Does the sleep diary need us to stop doing this for a week to see what happens? Or do we do the diary as is with our current wake times? Fallon, what do you say?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question and one we do get asked quite a lot. Maybe we need to put something more in some about this actually. Yeah. Um, I always say just keep doing what you're doing. Don't make sudden changes when you start filling in a sleep diary. Mm. Um, you're better off just sticking to whatever you've been doing so if you've been waking up your baby from naps or waking them at a certain time in the morning just keep doing that and track their sleep because your baby is already um you know their circadian rhythm is kind of used to that and they'll be making sure they're meeting their sleep needs within that schedule that they're used to so when you measure their sleep you're you're still going to get a pretty accurate idea of how much sleep um, they actually need um, so once you've sort of got that baseline measure, maybe a week or so um, of tracking their sleep, then you've got a sense of how much sleep they need. Then I'd start to look at what sort of settling strategies you want to use from there mm-hmm. um, and what a good daily rhythm could look like.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only thing I would add there, Fallon, is that Rach, if your daughter seemed particularly um, grumpy and, and unhappy during the day, um, so from the point that she wakes up all the way through most of her week time until she goes down to sleep then um, it may be that she isn't getting all the sleep that she needs but actually there's nothing that you've said Rach in your email that would suggest that is the case Um, so um, Mm. she in all likelihood is getting all of the sleep that she needs
0: yeah good Um, Michaela also emailed us and she says my little girl has always been a contact napper She was very clingy from the get-go, wouldn't even go into her bassinet, and I ended up co-sleeping for the first six weeks, which I never wanted to do. (laughs) Oh, so many parents have come before you with the (laughs) same story, Michaela. (laughs) We, We go into parenting with all these ideas and sometimes it just doesn't quite go to plan um so Michaela says I'm trying to work on cot settling but it's such a huge departure for her I'm really struggling I'm also finding it hard to figure out her own unique sleep requirements as she will nap for a really long time on me I've tried transferring her to the cot asleep she will last about 10 or 20 minutes before waking up and when I try patting her to sleep I just can't get Mm. her there I've done it once or twice, randomly, so I know it should be possible, but she just stays awake and eventually gets really upset. I guess my question is, how best to proceed? She goes and goes and goes until she is overtired with no tired sign, so she will really fight the cot settling. We have sleep associations of patting her and saying shush, and she has a dummy. I tried starting with the first nap of the day and the bedtime settle as she does sleep in her cot overnight, but just haven't had any luck. I'm using the slow fade approach, but at the moment it's beyond slow and it's basically not happening. When I try picking her up to calm her down and then put her back in the cot, she falls asleep super quick and then putting her back down wakes her up. Any advice? Oh, that's tough, Michaela. I'm just going to send you a very gentle virtual hug. Yeah, that's, that's
1: really challenging. Yeah, that is hard. Mm. Um, so hang on, how does she say how old she is, her daughter is now? just having a little look to see.
0: No, no it doesn't no.
1: no, it doesn't say. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, it does sound really tricky, Michaela. So let's break it down. There's a few things, a few questions within that um, email. Um, the first is that you're finding a bit, um, you're, you're a bit unsure about what her new unique sleep requirements are um so I think really the um answer to that is the same as um what we um just said for Rach so for a week just log just carry on doing what you're doing at the moment and just log her sleep so if sometimes she's contact napping just log that um if other times you're popping her down in the um bassinet oh she must be quite little if she's in a bassinet um then just log that sleep um if it's only you Mm. know she might sleep on you for 10 minutes before you put her down and then she's doing 20 minutes in the bassinet she's probably basically doing one sleep cycle Um, so just log all of that log all the overnight sleep and it's highly likely that as long as there aren't any physiological factors um, impacting her sleep that she would be getting all the sleep that she needs Um, it's just in a few different places that she's getting that sleep Um, once you have got that data then you will have a, um, a much clearer understanding of what her needs are Um, and um, then you'll um, probably feel a little bit more confident um, about then Mm. determining what is going to be a suitable um, rhythm for her day. Since she's in a bassinet, I'm assuming that she must be, maybe she's about four months old, Fallon. Um, I suspect she's a little baby.
0: Doing the slow fade approach, that's from the four-to-12-month program, so probably four-to-six months would be like this.
1: Yeah, Um, so she might be on three naps a day perhaps, Um, and, um, if she's on more than that, um, what we often see when it's taking a long time for a baby to settle in the bassinet, even when you've been, it sounds like you've done a great job, Michaela, introducing the patting and the shushing and the dummy. So she's got some good sleep associations since it is taking her a while to go off to sleep, um, in the bassinet. And sometimes you said that she will stay in there awake for quite a long time. Um, before she starts crying, um, it's quite likely that she is going into the bassinet a little bit sooner than she needs. Um, but once you understand what her unique sleep requirements are by logging her sleep for that whole week, um, you'll be able then to um, f- uh, trial a particular um, rhythm um, for you know around about a week. Um, If it is taking her, say, 20 minutes or so to go to sleep for her naps, then I'd be looking to push out that nap time for about 15, 20 minutes. So you're actually putting her down at the point that she would be going to sleep. So you're not spending all of that time trying Mm. to settle her. Um, Fallon, do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, I think the real key
0: here will be looking at what her unique sleep requirements are and once you know what figure you're working with, you can look through some at There's a whole bunch of example, different daily schedules that you could try to work on and see if one of them is a good fit. Um, for your baby the benefit of that is just that you know it can take a week to really get them into that rhythm so don't worry if at first it's a bit of a disaster and might not quite go to plan Mm -hmm. Um, but over the course of a week your baby's circadian rhythm is going to come to expect naps at particular times of day Um, and when you go to put them down at that time they're going to fall asleep pretty quickly so that can make settling in the cot a whole lot easier because you know you're putting them down when they're really ready for it and they're expecting it if naps are happening at random times every single day, then their sleep pressure isn't rising and, and falling at predictable times mm. every day. So it's always going to be guesswork. You're mm. never quite going to know. Are they really ready or not? Or are they just cranky? Mm. Um, it becomes really challenging. So I would say look at the sleep diary, look at how much day sleep, uh, total sleep rather they're having and start to work towards that within the daily um, schedule. Um, and then with using the slow fade approach, if when you pick her up she's falling asleep really quickly in your arms that's what we want to have avoid happening we want it to just be super consistent that she always falls asleep in her cot because if she's sometimes held to sleep it might really confuse her Mm. um one of the ways you could do this would be maybe starting to stretch out how long you pad her for before you pick her up. So maybe gradually increasing the padding. So instead of padding for five minutes and then giving a cuddle, maybe you're trying to push it gradually towards 10 minutes of padding before you give a cuddle. Yeah. And that's just going to put a little bit more pressure on your baby to try to settle there in their cot. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you know they're tired at that time because you've kind of worked towards a daily rhythm, um, hopefully you'll have some pretty quick progress um, it does take a bit of practice, though, which is totally normal. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah,
1: It's hang in there, Michaela. Yeah. It will come together. Hang in, Michaela. Mm. You are. mean, you're saying that she's going to sleep really quickly when you pick her up. So you're, you're getting really close. So I think what Fallon is saying about just extending the length of time you pat her for um, is just going to mean that you'll be just getting her over the line you'll be she you're patting her maybe for five or ten um maybe five minutes you're patting her at the moment for Michaela and then she's falling asleep when you pick her up for a couple of minutes Um, so if you start to pat her maybe for six or seven minutes before you pick her up you've just you've gone into the zone where she would ordinarily be falling asleep in your arms Um, and then also think about how long you are picking her up for when you're giving her the cuddle and perhaps look at shortening that so it's just a quick cuddle if you're picking her up for two minutes you might pick her up just for one minute before popping her back down Uh, and I think with those two things so Mm. ensuring that you fully understand what her unique sleep needs are um, having the predictable nap times each day um, stretching out how long you pat her for before picking her up and then when you do pick pick her up just do it for slightly shorter amount of time Um, I think that you're really going to get over the line Michaela Yeah, I think
0: that's really good advice, Laura.
1: Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our next question. Um, So May has emailed us with an update. Thank you, May. We love updates. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you might remember that we answered May's question last week. Uh, May was having a really hard time settling her baby um, in their cot. Uh, so uh, she says, I just wanted to say that since my last email, I've been really working on cot settling with my baby and made huge progress. He can indeed sleep on his back with no issues. Uh, smiley laughing face. Um, thank you again for some bell and the content. It has been a literal and figurative, huge weight off me <laughs> Oh, I'm <laughs> delighted, May. Yeah,
0: well done, May. It can feel impossible. It feels like you're trying to cut down an oak tree with a pair of nail scissors. Sometimes <laughs> when you're trying yes. to convince your baby you're okay in your cot, you know, and you you just think, Gosh, I'm never going to get through this, but. If you just persist and use all those very predictable comforting approaches from Sunbell, they're actually pretty amazing and they can adapt to things really quickly. So well done on
1: being brave enough to tackle that. That's fantastic. So May says, I do have a few more questions, which I would love answered if possible. His nights are relatively good. He will cry when put to bed, but normally settles within 10 to 15 minutes with patting and humming. Uh, I'm slowly trying to dial back the support. He will wake twice overnight only to feed and will settle within five minutes, Um, sometimes with some crying, and other times he'll just go to sleep on his own with minimal help from me. That's great. His naps are a completely different story though. He is now nine weeks old and averages, (coughs) excuse me, averages a total of four and a half hours in day naps, and they can range from 30 minutes to over two hours, and they are all over the place also takes me 20 to 30 minutes to settle him for most naps. When I put him down calm he'll often be okay for about 10 minutes before working himself up to a cry until he eventually calms down again and goes off to sleep. Other times he cries whilst I'm zipping him into his swaddle. I'm currently keeping his awake window at about an hour and a half um, or if I see obvious sleepy cues. I've tried putting him down to sleep earlier and later but it still doesn't seem to make a difference. I basically do all settling and keep it as consistent as possible, patting and humming and the occasional cuddle for a minute if the crying really escalates. It's been about three weeks since I started cot settling and the intense crying does wear me. I bet it does. I'm wondering if there is anything I can do and if it will get better. I'm curious to know if you would suggest capping the length of naps, for example, (coughs) a maximum of two hours, especially in the later part of the day. Mm. Yeah, this is re- yeah, really really good questions,
0: May. Look, I would say if your if nap settling is taking 20 to 30 minutes, definitely a little bit too long, and it's mm-hmm. reasonably consistently taking that long, I would be inclined to push back all the naps 20 or 30 minutes, yep. and it won't make a difference at first. That's what you need to keep in mind. Yeah. You're going to think, why have I been told to do this? It's not actually helping and it won't help at first, but After the course of a few days, your baby's circadian rhythm is going to start to expect to have that nap a little bit later. They're going to kind of fall into a bit of a pattern and because you're only settling him for sleep when that sleep pressure is nice and high, because we know that after 20, 30 minutes he can fall asleep there, Mm Um, so we know his sleep pressure is higher at that point when you start to put him down at that point and you're still continuing with this fantastic consistent settling that you're doing there's a really good chance that it will start to come together and he'll start to settle quickly Mm -hmm. Um, I think you're so close to having that breakthrough May so don't be afraid to just push out those naps by 20 or 30 minutes it might mean that um, the naps push a little bit close to bedtime. So absolutely, you might need to cap some of those naps just to make sure he doesn't overdo it with the day's sleep mm. um, and interrupt his bedtime. So it could even be time to drop down a nap. Um, you'll have to sort of have a look at how he's adjusting to that. Definitely in the later part of the day, I pretty much always say to families, don't let the last nap of the day be a long one. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they had really short naps all the rest of the day, just let it be another short nap mm-hmm. um, so that it really doesn't sort of push bedtime around. Um, too much
1: yeah um i think that's what do you think laura is anything you'd add to that no i'd just say that since um so he's only really little nine weeks old having four and a half hours total daytime sleep you might be looking at um perhaps one you know i I would suspect he would be on about four naps a day at his age Mm. so it might be that one nap is an hour and a half and then the other three naps are about an hour each um, yeah, that could be a good way to divide mm, it up. Yeah. yeah. Or if he has a two-hour nap, then he may have that last nap before bed might be a really short one. If he's only got half an hour sleep cycles, that very last nap might just be a half-hour one. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, good. That sounds like you're doing a really good job, Maeve. Really well done. Um, you're very, very close. The nights are a lot better um, and um, the days are going to come good. To with a little bit more tweaking. So, good work and uh, send us the next yeah. update when you're ready.
0: Yeah, yeah, and thank you for the lovely feedback. It really is fantastic. Um, Lucinda also emailed us uh, actually just before we started recording this episode. So, <laughs> she's going to get a very quick answer. Um, she starts with some lovely feedback on Sombell as well, saying, Firstly, I want to thank you for your amazing program. And this is incredible, Laura. She said, We went from night waking every two hours and rocking to sleep to sleeping through the night within two days and oh, wow. self settling at bedtime.
1: Amazing. Well oh gosh. Well, well done. done Lucinda,
0: that's great. It sounds like their baby was really ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> really absolutely. ready for those changes. <laughs> yeah. So Lucinda says, we're just facing some hiccups that I would love advice on. She says, our eight-month-old wakes between 5 to 6 a.m. And bedtime is around 7 to 7.30 p.m. He's begun refusing naps very strongly, screaming, kicking, arching his back when held and pushing off me when I'm holding him. He will then take 15 minutes or more to settle being held and can't be put down after this without waking. He's recently been waking once overnight as well. From the program, they suggested to me that he might be ready to drop a nap. However, I just can't see a way that would work when he is often awake from 5 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. So sometimes he's really just fighting all naps, which is very challenging. Um, He's usually tired anywhere between two and a half to three hours um, after waking and any longer um, when I put him down, he's just really, really difficult to settle. For context, his sleep needs are approximately twelve and a half hours per day and he has nine and a half to ten hours of sleep overnight. It seems like the day is too long and he wouldn't make it without having all three naps. If you could point me in the right direction to solve this issue, that would be amazing.
1: Oh, well, Lucinda, thank you for your um, lovely feedback. Um, And I'm delighted that your nights are going so well. Um, Okay, what you're describing um, really does suggest that your eight-month-old baby is ready to move to two naps a day. Um, When we think about um, what the signs are for a baby being ready to drop a nap, it includes um, any combination of the following. Waking early for the day. So you've got a tick there. <laughs> Starting to wake overnight when previously did not wake. You've got a tick there. Starting to fight going to sleep for the naps. You've got a tick there. And sometimes skipping naps and you've got a tick there. Yeah. So he is definitely ready to move to two naps a day. I can absolutely understand your reluctance to do so Lucinda and uh, we see this often in the clinic it's very very common to um, look at that fragmented daytime sleep um, and to see how your child is finding it very hard to stay awake during the day um, and um, think yeah okay let's offer him less sleep um, during the day but it is the key it's mm. going to be what gets you over the line Lucinda because the night times are great um, yeah. at the moment what I want you to think about is that just in the same way that in a couple of days you were able to improve the nighttime sleep um, there's going to be a short period of time now for you where you move your eight month old towards the two naps and it's going to be a little bit painful. It's going to be really painful. For the first painful. few days. It's going, <laughs> yeah. be, yes, sorry. it's going to be really painful at least in yeah. the, for the first week. Um, and uh, he's not going to like it very much. But he's getting that high quality sleep overnight now. Yeah. Really good quality sleep overnight. Um, so we know he's going to be okay. So what I would suggest is um, he's probably got about um, two and a half hours Um, daytime sleep allowance from what you're describing if he's having 10 hours overnight so you split that across two naps Um, what you might find really helpful in that the first few days of moving him to the two nap schedule is he might have one nap that's an hour and a half another nap that's an hour and then you might need to give him a 15 to 20 minute power nap later on in the afternoon just to get him through until bedtime now that power nap is only it's not a whole sleep cycle so he's not going to like being woken from it um so we only do it as a stepping stone Mm. so it's just to help in the first few days where you're moving a baby towards um a new schedule that you would use it but then what's going to happen lucinda is that as um, fallon has described Um, uh, in answer to some of the earlier questions is that your son's circadian rhythm is going to um, adapt to this two nap schedule is going to be expecting to go down for naps at those predictable times and is going to be able to manage it really well and therefore that need for the power nap will fall aside yeah and after about seven days or so he's going to be having two naps a day Um, he'll be sleeping through the night again and in all likelihood getting through to six in the morning um, and your, those early morning wakes will be a thing of the past. Yeah. And that's what do you think? Fallon? Well, that's
0: the key, isn't it? It's You're stuck in a cycle at the moment where he has a night wake and or wakes up really, really early. So then, of course, he's starting the day tired and seems to need three naps to get through the day. Um, But what we want to try and do is push a bit more sleep into his nighttime so that he wakes up more refreshed. Then he will cope better with just two-day naps. So (laughs) by, you know, pushing for two naps, you're... Helping to really drive up the sleep pressure at night time. He's less likely to wake. He's more likely to sleep in longer. And then he's more likely to cope better on two naps. But it's really hard to be in your position where you are now, Lucinda. I've seen so many parents just say, how on earth could I possibly drop a nap with my child like this? So choose your timing well. Um, I think actually with the Christmas holidays coming up, so many families get prepared to make changes to sleep like this sort of change because mm. you, you might have more family around to support you. Um, you know, if you're not juggling work as well, it certainly helps. So um, make sure you've got support around you. Lots of distractions. Visiting family is such a good distraction. <laughs> Passing the baby around that'll keep them awake. Yeah. Um, once you make that transition, things should yeah drastically improve. So well done on all your hard work. You've um you've come a long way, Lucinda, and it's just going to be another push, and hopefully you'll be there and over the line.
1: Yeah, let us know. Send us an update like May did. Um, We'd love to hear how you get on. Yeah, absolutely. Please do. All right. So that's all the parent questions
0: for the week. Um, I just want to remind everyone that we're currently doing our big summer sale on all of the Sombell programs. There's a huge 30% discount. Um, running at the moment. I actually don't know when we're going to finish that sale so <laughs> get your skates on. It's going to go for a while longer but um, <laughs> but it won't last forever. So if you've been umming and ahhing and you're thinking yeah over Christmas I am getting this sleep or settling difficulty sorted once and for all then um, now is a really good time to join us um, and you can be submitting your own questions too. Um, and just another reminder as well that we have introduce the option of SOMBAL members being able to book in for coaching calls, which will fast track you into our clinic. I think most SOMBAL parents don't really need extra support from a coaching call, but some do have particularly difficult problems. Um, So Mm -hmm. if you're thinking, gosh, I really just want to talk this through with someone um, there, they are an option and they're coming up in January as well. And finally it's Christmas next week, like a week today. Um, We're going to be taking some time off. Oh, my God, Laura, I'm so looking yes. forward to this. I'm, I'm exhausted by this oh, year and it's been so full on. So we hope no one yes. minds that we won't be recording an episode on Christmas Day. <laughs> we'll be busy sipping champagne and playing with our kids and enjoying the world's most glorious mess, which is that mess of Christmas morning wrapping paper strewn around the house kids screaming and running and oh my god i can't wait yes. i just can't wait i really do love christmas morning <laughs> um so no no episode next week we're arming and airing about whether we'll do one on new year's day um what we're going to do is just see how many parents send in questions so if a lot of questions come in yeah. um well we might you know step aside from our champagne glasses <laughs> <laughs> got something for you but if there aren't too many questions coming in we might just um you know reply to you on email or let it roll over to the next week um but finally i just want to thank every single family who has seen us in clinic this year or joined us in Sombell. it has been the greatest joy the absolute greatest joy hearing all of your amazing stories of how you have recognized that things could be better Um, you've gone and sought support and you have turned things around for your whole family Um, we know how important sleep is and we know that when families sleep better the joy comes back and so i just want to wish you the most Mm. joyful holidays over the christmas and new year period stay safe everybody and we're really looking forward to seeing everyone in the new year
1: yeah sleep well everyone (laughs) bye-bye
0: if you need help with your baby or toddler's sleep or settling, you need SOMBEL. SOMBEL is Australia's first online paediatric sleep clinic program for babies and toddlers aged 0 to 3 years. It contains all the best resources from the sleep clinics at Infant Sleep Australia, so you can rest easy and soak in your child. To find out more, click the link in the show notes or visit sombel.infantsleep.com.au.